Hello everyone, this is Jonathan Little, and I am here today with the 27th week of Weekly Poker Hand. Today I'm going to be reviewing a hand from the 2014 World Series of Poker main event that allowed me to become the chip leader four hours into the tournament. <laughs> That's not saying too much, but it's always nice to get a lot of chips early in the day. So, in this hand, I've already doubled up. And we are playing 150, 300 blinds with a 25 ante. And everyone folds around to me on the button. And I have 8-7 offsuits. Uh, the players in the blinds, uh, the small blind has about 80 big blinds. And he's playing pretty tight, aggressive. And the player in the big blind is a loose, aggressive, splashy guy who is not afraid to play pots. And this is one of the exact situations I want to be in, where I'm going to be in position with a hand that has some potential against a big blind who is unlikely to fold. So I raise the 700, and both of my opponents call. So the pot's now 2,300. And on the flop, they give it to me, 654, <laughs> which is fantastic. 654, there are two spades on board, and I do not have any spades. So, I mean, obviously I'm just hoping for the board not to pair and for no spade to come. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. This is a flop that should be very good for both of my opponents and not so good for me. So whenever I bet, I expect, particularly my loose, splashy opponent, to play back at me at least some percentage of the time because, like I said, he should have way more good hands on this board than I should. This is actually a key concept that you need to understand, that whenever I raise preflop, particularly if I raise from early position, my opponents should have much better hands on these low and middle card boards than I should. And because of that, they can check-raise me pretty much as often as they want, and I can't do too much about it. Um, even if I had something like pocket aces on this board, if I bet, say, 1,400 into the 2,300 pot and one of my opponents makes it 4,000, I have to be pretty sick because if I call and my opponent bets again on the turn, I'm never happy, right? Because now all of a sudden I'm just doubling my opponent up when they have me beat, and whenever they have a draw, they still have a ton of equity. And if I re-raise the flop, they're always going to call whenever they have me beat, and they're going to fold whenever they don't have me beat. So there really aren't very many good options. So because of that, you often want to check behind on these boards and just try to get to showdown. So sort of like a pot control line on the flop. Anyways, uh, when I have the nuts, I'm just going to bet. <laughs> if I had aces, I would, I would bet this as well. It's not like I'm expecting to get check raised every time, but I definitely want to bet something. So I do elect to bet 1,300 into the 2,300 pot. And to my surprise, the player in the small blind calls. He later told me he had pocket 10s after this hand. And the player in the big blind, the loose, aggressive, splashy guy who has me covered, he has more chips than I do. Remember, we're playing 200, uh, 200 or so big blinds deep, 200, 220 big blinds deep. He raises to 4,000, which is ideal. <laughs> so at this point, I have to figure out if I re-raise, will this guy stack off? for a boatload of chips. And I think the answer to that is probably not, unless he has a set. And also, this is something that does not come up very often in poker tournaments, but in a tournament as soft as the main event, and I did have a very good table on day one, <laughs> it's going to sound super nitty, but I actually am not looking to get it all in with something like, 60-ish percent equity or 65 percent equity when my opponent has a straight flush draw or a set and instead what I plan to do is to call and if the board does run out poorly for me I'm going to be able to get away from my hand 
And if the board does not run out poorly for me, I still expect to be able to win a ton of chips. So there are very few tournaments where I think that is the ideal strategy because usually you can you you can't get your money in much better than as a sixty percent favorite. A lot of people think they can, but in reality, against a range, you just cannot do that. So this this is a pretty great spot, but I'm a little bit more inclined, especially in very soft tournaments like the main event or say an online tournament like a an, an online the bigger 55 or something on poker stars that has a boatload of people but is still relatively deep stacked i'm not really trying to blast my money in early in the tournaments because i i don't want to allow one hand to make me go broke that's what it amounts to i'm more so looking to try to get money in good but at the same time avoid any individual hand that can make me go broke um, so yeah, I think that calling is going to be the best play in this spot because like I said, I'm not a huge fan of getting it all in. I mean, of course, if my opponent wants to, if, if we just had to get it all in, I'd be fine with that. But I think that a better line that's going to allow me to survive the tournament, even if I lose this hand and also allow me to extract additional value when my opponent is bluffing or whenever he has, um, like a six or pocket nines or something like that, I think calling is going to lead to a much better situation. So those two things combined, I think, make this a pretty good spot to call. However, I do decide to re-raise, and I'm not really in love with this. You know, if I'm really convinced my opponent has a good hand and he's not going to fold ever, I'm okay with re-raising, mainly because we're so deep. I mean, really, you could go either way. I, I'm i not in love with this. I, I think that this allows my opponent to get off the hook whenever he's bluffing. So... This is one of these spots where I'm probably going to call most of the time, but I'm okay with raising. I guess I should make that clear. It's not like I hate raising or anything like that. You're going to find that quite often there are two reasonably good plays, and if you pick one or one of the two, you're going to be fine. And this is a spot where I think re-raising to a reasonably large size that will hopefully convince my opponent that I have an overpair, that's going to be good, or calling is going to be good. I don't think a small re-raise is ideal, because then if my opponent does have a draw, I'm completely pricing him in. And it looks like I also have a very good hand because I'm trying to price him in, and that's not what I want to do. And I also think a humongous re-raise to something like 25K, I think that would also be very bad because then my opponent is going to only call when he has a very premium hand. And I don't I don't think it's too likely my opponent has exactly a set or, or a straight already. So anyways, 12,300, I make it. Uh, small blind folds his pocket 10s easily. And the big blind splashy player calls. So now, uh, the turn's a jack, an offsuit jack, which is perfect. The pot's 28,000. My opponent checks to me. I have to figure out how am I going to get my stack in by the river. So I need to make a bet of around 18,000 on the turn so that I can shove something like 34,000 on the river. Um, Whenever you're in the scenario, always ask yourself, if I make a bet now, what's that going to leave me with on the river? And will both of those bets reasonably price in my opponent? And I, I think both of those will. Maybe something like 19000 slightly better on the turn. Maybe 14000 is okay. You don't want to make a bet of something like 10000 on the turn because then if I bet 10 and my opponent calls, the pot's going to be 48000 and I'm, and I'm going to have 42000 behind, which is a fairly large bet. So yeah, maybe like fifteen or 16000 is ideal. Also, it depends on, of course, what you think your opponent has and what he's doing. And I do end up making a bet of 16000 leaving myself 36000 um, behind. So I, I think this is fine. I'm obviously purely betting for value. Now I'm very happy with my hand. <laughs> of course. My opponent calls, which is great. 
And the river is a three of clubs, so I still have the nuts. The board is six, five, four, jack, three. And my opponent decides to put me all in, which is obviously perfect because I have the nuts. I obviously call. And my opponent shows me seven, six, offsuit for a very butchered hand on the river. <laughs> this is a scenario where if my opponent bets into me, I'm only going to call with a seven or with eight, seven. I'm going to fold everything else. So by shoving... I should make it clear, I'm never calling with worse, and I am always calling with a 7 or better. So he's only putting money in bad or breaking even. A much better play for my opponent would be to check and allow me to bet, because maybe I have something like pocket kings and decide to bluff the river to try to get my opponent off of a set. Or maybe I have a set and decide, well, my opponent checks, so he doesn't have a straight, so I should bet. Of course, I wouldn't do that, but maybe I would. And... Because of that, my opponent really did butcher his hand on the river. So I think I got a little bit lucky, actually, on the flop. Whenever I re-raised to 12,500, my opponent should probably have folded his 7-6 offsuit. Well, his hand's suited, but it's offsuit compared to the board. Because if I have a good flush draw, it's likely a flush draw plus a straight draw, if I'm willing to re-raise to 12,300. So that means that while his one pair is good... He's not going to be able to put it in, put a stack in with the one pair by the river. And if I improve to a flush and he improves to a straight, he's going to be in very, very bad shape. And we could easily just improve to the same straight, so he's not making any money in those spots. So that's bad for him. If I have a set, my opponent's behind, and he's not going to get paid off if he hits, so that's bad for him. And uh, am I ever bluffing? <laughs> no. <laughs> so... This is a scenario where I think my opponent has a super easy flop fold whenever I make it 12,300. And for that reason, I don't actually like re-raising to 12,300, which is sort of what I was discussing earlier. I want to keep my opponent in with these hands that are drawing dead. Um, but, you know, if you accurately assess your opponent, obviously this hand was from the main event, which was a few months ago at this point. If you if you figure out your opponent has a good hand, he's probably not going to fold to you. Or if you have a really crazy image, which maybe I did because I'd already doubled up in the first few hours then perhaps re-raising is uh, the best play. So it really does depend on your image and your opponent's image. Don't think that there is a definitive best play in every spot not accounting for table image. I think a lot of players look at these scenarios and think, oh, this play is best or this play is not best. And it's actually relatively difficult to say. And that's why I was discussing earlier, if you pick one of the two best plays, you're usually doing pretty good. Um, of course, looking back, I, I don't know exactly what my opponent looked like. You know, I don't remember what he looked like a few months ago. So I, I really think I got lucky to, to to get a full double on this hand. I, I was going to stack my opponent on this river if he checked. I was going to shove, he was going to call, and I was going to win. But I think the way that my opponent gave me his chips on the river was a very big disaster. And I also think his flop, his call of my flop re-raise was a pretty big mistake as well. So my opponent made one mistake that actually cost him, which was the flop one. And he made another one that would have allowed me to actually get off the hook if I did not have the set. So that's pretty fortunate. Um, if you guys actually want to get the book called The Main Event with Jonathan Little, where I go through all of the hands that I played that allowed me to cash in this main event and make a reasonably deep run, you can go to jonathanlittlepoker.com slash main, M-A-I-N. So jonathanlittlepoker.com slash M-A-I-N. And that will take you to the Amazon page where you can buy the ebook. Um, also on that on that page, you can look inside the book. You can read the first few hands and see what the book's all about. It's effectively a hand history re- a hand history review 
of the World Series of Poker main event where I do a lot of really fun stuff. I, I remember on day two, I actually had a really tough table. I had a very good, aggressive kid on my right. I had Olivier Bousquet, who is perhaps the best heads-up sit-and-go player in the world on my left. And I did a few things that generally made them not mess around with me. And I think that was a really big um, help on day two because I got to steal as much as I wanted. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I, I think it's a very good book. It's been number one on Amazon for a while. Uh, check that out. I say number one on Amazon. Number one on the Amazon Kindle list. Obviously, I'm not number one on Amazon. Um, but yeah, jonathanlittlepoker.com slash main. So thank you guys very much for watching. And I will talk to you next time.